fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hey, Hoosier. darn right it is. Welcome into it, man. It's a Monday. Another week of ready to rock and roll. We are ready to carpe diem all over this place, baby. That's what we do each and every day, trying to bring some reason, common sense, rationale into the conversation of the ongoing going crazy world that we call the US of A or planet Earth. Whatever you want to look at. <laughs> Welcome into the program. Great to have you today broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. But we are all over the country. Multiple radio stations all over the place. TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death and appreciate you very, very much. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show lined up today. Holy cow. Uh, Jake Morabito, he is with the American Legislative Exchange Council, also known as ALEC, the very controversial organization that helps state legislatures all over the nation promote conservative values. Oh, yes, those guys. We have Jake Morabito. He's the director of Communications and Technology Task Force with ALEC. He'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. If you remember, what is it, a while, a week ago, uh, a week ago or so, we talked about the AI, the executive order from the Biden administration regarding the executive order on artificial intelligence that creates essentially a woke government system on how government funding for certain programs is distributed based on if you had those check marks and how that woke system is going to apply to you. Essentially an automated social credit score that we're mimicking from the country of China. So we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. What can states do to kind of build up a barrier and a buffer in between that wokeness at the federal level and what we're doing here on the home front all over the nation? So we'll get to that here in just a little bit. We also have some other issues, a lot of children-related stuff, which I have to say, first and foremost, I want to thank you, the listeners. A lot of you don't, or a few of you donated to a charity that I was working with here in the Kansas area. I know we have a little, lot of listeners, if I can talk today, outside of the state of Kansas, but I was part of a polar plunge on Saturday. Yeah, I know, beginning of February or beginning of March, but we are in a polar plunge and the water was nippy for sure. Definitely took the breath away when you first got into it. For those of you that listen to the show know, though, that I am a favor of the cold weather. I enjoy it and jumping in I my showers every day. I don't even turn the heat on in my showers. It's just nice and cold to get you going for the day. I enjoy that. It's supposed to be healthy for you. So I was, I guess, somewhat used to it. But it still took your breath away when you first jumped into it. And then while everybody ran out as fast as they could, I tried to hang back just a little bit. And then when you get out, the weird fascination is is that the air seems so warm when you walk out of it. But I did it in uh, as a charity for the Kansas Special Olympics. They were doing their fundraiser. They had done a tour across the state. And here in the Wichita area, where I hail from with our flagship, that's where they were holding their final polar plunge and had a few individuals that are uh, listeners support and donate and uh, support me and sponsor me in that polar plunge. So thank you. We love you and appreciate you very much. It's done, so you don't need to do it now. If you're just hearing about it, not a big deal. But for those of you that did, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It's awesome, and it goes to a great cause. And we got to shiver a little bit on Saturday to jump into a cold lake, or a, I call it a pond. It wasn't a lake. It was a pond. But nonetheless, it was still cold, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So we appreciated that very, very much. Uh, on a personal front as well that will conveniently tie into kind of one of the topics of the day today, I've mentioned this a few different times on the program, but there was a TV show, and I don't remember what network, I think it's ABC, 
It's broadcast on Hulu, which is where we watch it. But there was a TV show that was talking about parenting. It's called The Parent Test. I don't know if you've been watching it or not, but they had their finale uh, with the what they had done was they had chose a few different styles of parenting and they labeled them, which I didn't know you could label styles of parenting. But apparently you do with a child led parenting where the children kind of dominate and run the whole thing and the parents are just going along with it to be their best friends or the really strict parenting or the uh, free range parenting or what they call the new age parenting or all these different styles of parenting. And they put them to the test to see which type of parenting was the best kind. And I've liked it, but at the same time, it's kind of bothered me in some aspects as well. But the finale was done. They did 10 episodes, and we watched the finale yesterday while we were sitting there trying to enjoy the weekend. And it's been nice because we use Little Voice of Reason, my daughter, who is eight years old, about to turn nine in June, which is mind-blowing to me how she's growing up so fast. But we watch it, and the different tests that they do We like to have a conversation with her about the certain issues, about bullying or about how you would handle a situation of a stranger knocking at the door or how you would uh, uh, handle it as a parent to handle the child if they don't want to do something, kind of pushing them to the limits, whether you force them to do it, whether you let them back out, whether you try to encourage them, how you handle certain situations. And it's neat to watch because it creates a good conversation with your children when they're confronted of what would you do in this situation. And I was curious on who was going to win this one. Because in today's times, we all really, especially with my generation, with the millennials, we have a generation that likes to be more friend than parent, which is why we have the participation trophies that my generation, being the millennial, was the first to receive. That we have a lot of parents that kind of let their children do whatever they want, trying to not be as hard on them as what their parents were to them. But how far do you go before you draw that line and say, you know, you still need to be an authoritative figure to your children instead of just letting them run rampant and do anything that they want to do? Well, surprisingly enough, the parent and by the way, the different styles of parents voted on each different style of parent to see which ones they thought were the best ones. And the one that won at the end of the day was the disciplining parent who was actually pretty strict on their kid on what they're not and not allowed to do, but at the same time was open enough to talk about the issues to be close and understand, but yet be that authoritative figure. And I was honestly shocked that the disciplined, styled parenting won when we're desperately in need of a little bit of discipline in today's society, are we not? I mean, if we, <laughs> if we had that, if we had discipline in society today and parents had actually said no once in a while with uh, actually being able to handle the crazy meltdowns and temper tantrums, if we had parents that could, more parents, not all parents obviously because a lot of them do it, but if we had more parents like that in society, then maybe, just maybe, we wouldn't have the wild progressive left-wing nuts out there that melted down when Donald Trump became president of the United States because they've never had to deal with with a leader of the country that had a different political opinion as them to the point to where they were burning down Washington, D.C. during uh, Trump's inauguration, or they weren't attacking people with red hats because they called them fascists and Nazis and everything of the sort, we would actually have a little bit more civility in society, learning to respect each other a little bit more. Because I know that if I was a child and I threw a temper tantrum like that, trying to break into a Starbucks or trying to attack somebody on the street for a political difference, my parents would not have tolerated that. I also would not tolerate that from my little girl as well, little voice of reason, because that's just unacceptable. Now, she wouldn't anyways. And I've told this story before. She was, I want to say, two. And I remember her. Dri- we were driving and she was in the back seat. 
And she was just, it was at that time, she was, I don't know, a year and a half, two years old, where she was babbling and couldn't quite be coherent much of the time. But yet she just loved to talk and da 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 and just going on and on and on. And she said something to me that I, it sounded like Obama. Now, I try to keep a little bit of politics away from her, but at the same time, this was the guy and the dad that read her Mark Levin books while she was still in the tummy of mommy. So I guess, <laughs> I guess there was that. But I heard her say the word, what I thought was Obama. And we were at a stoplight, and I turned back, and I looked at her, and I said, did you just say Obama? And I'll never forget this. For the first time as a two-year-old, she rolled her eyes at me and said, no, Dad, Dad, he's a bad man. Now, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't ask for couldn't ask for a better daughter there. I love her to death. So we're, I think we're doing something okay, even though we're by no means are we the best parents in any way, shape, or form, but we do our best, as every parent I know tries to do. But sometimes you have to say no and then you have to show them that it's unacceptable for them to have that meltdown and throwing that absolute temper tantrum that that's not okay in any way, shape, or form. So I applaud the show for voting in the discipline-styled parenting to be the number one best type of parenting and leading by example for the rest of those parents to catch on to and maybe use some of those tics, uh, tips and tricks on still how to be close to your children but uh, but not yet trying to be their friend over being that authoritative figure. The reason I bring this up, because everybody has their own parenting style, and like Andy, who cares, whatever, uh, not a big deal. It's an ABC show. It's a bunch of left-wing loonies. I don't really care. The reason I bring this up, though, is because during the last episode, there was a very interesting comment that was made in a discussion by the quote-unquote family expert and child expert that was on the show by the name of Doc Brown. And one of the issues, the final challenge for the last three families that were there, which was the New Age family, the Free Range family, kind of letting them to experience the world on their own with little guidance from the parents because they wanted them to experience it and not shelter them, as they called themselves the recovering helicopter parents, which, good for you, probably the most annoying family style that I had was the helicopter parenting on there, and then the disciplined. But one of the final challenges the children had was to handle a bullying situation on the playground where kids started arguing, one, one student started bullying another student, and the reaction that the child would have either to intervene or to let it happen. And the conversation started regarding self-defense on if you were getting bullied, would you allow your children to fight back? Which, of course, I would raise my hand and say, absolutely, I would let little voice of reason fight back. I do not I want her starting a fight in any way, shape, or form. She better damn well not start a fight. But if a, start, a fight comes to her, I'm going to make sure that the other individual is on the ground with a broken nose and that little voice of reason will not be harmed in a bullying situation like that. And that how difficult as it is sometimes, you have to stand up for yourself instead of running to a parent or finding an adult and hiding and letting someone else fight that battle for you. Now, with that being said, and most of the parents, by the way, on the TV show, raised their hands to that as well. The shocking part, which kind of blew away the quote-unquote child expert at that time, was like, wait a second, you guys allow your children to defend themselves. However, he read off some stat that said the reason there's an increase in school shootings across the nation was because of students that were told and taught that physical violence as a retribution was okay and therefore that's what's leading the increase in school shootings across the nation. And at that point, I got pretty angry because we know that that's a bunch of malarkey, as Joe Biden would say, and it's a bunch of crap. Because I believe that is not the case in any way, shape, or form. Personally, not being a family expert or a child expert in any way, shape, or form, but having a daughter who's growing up and me trying to evolve as a parent as I go along, personally, 
the reason that we see school shootings may have to do with some bullying. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that the defender trying to defend themselves is not allowed to do so any longer. Show of hands, and obviously being me being 33, 34 years old, me being a millennial, I didn't get to experience some of these ages, but show of hands for some of the older generation, older than myself, not calling you old, but does anybody remember the times when you were allowed to duke it out in the principal's office to get it out of the, out of the way, and then by the end of the day, you were best friends? Or that you were allowed to duke it out on school grounds outside, you bloodied each other up a little bit, and then again, you were pals at the end of the day, because we had to teach the children how to stand up to bullies is the fact that bullies are not going away anytime in society, whether you're 10 years old or whether you're 30 years old, and the, uh, the co-worker that's trying to get the same uh, raise or promotion as you is going to bully you and try and keep you down and try and keep mentally in your head so that way you can't advance any time in life. The reason they're shootings is because now when a student tries to defend themselves, they get in just as much trouble as the bully and therefore, they don't feel like they're allowed to defend themselves, making themselves helpless and handicapped, where the only option they have is to tell a parent that is what's leading, in my opinion, to the school shootings. Because you can't get it out. You can't defend yourself. You can't do anything about it. And you feel helpless. And finally, you snap and have to take it to another level because you've been pushed to the nth degree. It's not because of the fact that you defend yourself it's because now the fact that you're not allowed to defend yourself and they have no other option to turn to in their minds at that time just my two cents this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier fighting for freedom every day this is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason, common sense, rationale. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today for a Monday, kicking off a brand new week. Interesting conversation for sure. And while everybody may have their different parenting styles, I do find it interesting that the quote-unquote family and childhood experts say that the reason there's an increase in shootings is because parents are teaching their kids they're allowed to fight back against a bully. <laughs> And I'm sorry, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. If you remember, again, obviously I was not around at that time, but during the 80s or the 70s or the 60s, when there were bullies around, most of the parents had nothing to do with it or they allowed their kids to do that fight. In fact, let's go all the way back thousands of years. Uh, we actually had uh, teachers during the Greek and Roman times that actually encouraged fighting with the children because obviously that was a more uh, masculine type of society trying to build warriors. So they intentionally tried to uh, incentivize the children to fight against one another to try and build them up in that sense. Uh, not saying that we should be doing that in any way, shape, or form. Don't say that. Uh, Andy Hoosier says he wants kids fighting. No, that's not the case in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, there were not mass murderers at that time either because they were able to channel that energy. Uh, now we've handicapped the children, unfortunately, where we still have bullying. Guess what? Here's a headline that I think some some individuals need to recognize. Here you go. Ready for it? Here's the big headline. Bullying is never, ever, 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 ever going to go away. I know it's a wild concept and it may be triggering for some, but bullying is never going to go away. Now we need to encourage not to bully. We need to teach our children that bullying is wrong. But why is there bullying? Let's go into the psychology behind that. Not being a psychologist myself, just based on observation and people that I talk to. The reason that there's bullying is because maybe a bad family situation. 
There's a loss in the family, some childhood trauma that they're not dealing with or working through. There's abuse in the family. There's some type of bad living condition or environment. So they're crying out for help. Not justifying it, but there's an explanation for it. And while we can always continue to work to make that better to limit the amount of bullies, there will always be a bully. Outside of that, there are just going to be those, especially on the boys' side and the masculine side, which, yes, I am using gender-affirming uh, nouns here. I, I, <laughs> again, other side may not like that very much, but I'm using the assumption of genders here during this conversation. There's always going to be that masculine dominance of I have to dominate over the other individual. It is not ultra-masculinity. It is not evil. That is just what boys do as they're growing up trying to test their masculinity. That's why they enjoy sports. That's why they enjoy aggression. That's why they want to go out and play, uh, you know, shoot them up or want to play some type of uh, game that's roughhousing in some way, shape, or form. We are genetically, DNA built, genetically built to do that. And trying to take that away is not going to make it go away. So there will always be bullies in society. You can never get rid of them. The question is, how are you going to teach your children to handle that bullying situation? Are they going to just take it and ignore it and just put it inward until they snap? Are they going to be taught that they can't do anything about it? They have to go find an adult. And if you teach them that, then how are they going to survive during the adult times when they're being bullied in some way, shape, or form? If they always have to go to somebody else, then they're going to turn into the Again, don't want to use the assumptions here on the names, but I guess the Nancy, where they always have to call law enforcement for everything their neighbor's doing or somebody else is doing because it's very triggering and emotional for them. Or do you teach them to be strong and independent and stand up for themselves? And right now in society, they're not allowed to stand up for themselves because they say that the one defending themselves that fights back is now going to be suspended or in just as much trouble as the one that's actually doing the bullying leaving them with the feeling that they're not allowed to do anything in their power. They have no control over their lives. And having no control over your life is a very dangerous situation because that's what leads to depression. That's what leads to mental health issues when you have no control over any aspect of your life. And that's when you see a mental health issue that leads to a shooting potential scenario or situation from a child that's finally snapped because they can't handle it any longer. School shootings never happened in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s when you were allowed to carry guns and you were allowed to actually fight back against a bully who was bullying you and hitting you. Now, all of a sudden, the aggression of actually fighting back is leading to school shootings. I a really hard time grasping that concept. Some expert, this guy says he is on families and children. Ah. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into a fascinating conversation we've had throughout the program so far. We'll continue that here in just a little bit. The next question really is, I think, is the extension of adolescence for our youth of America. There's a piece of legislation here in the state of Kansas that unfortunately passed even with our Republican majority in the House. Other states doing this as well across the nation, trying to comply with the federal, which I understand why, because they're so scared of losing federal money. Oh, if we don't do this, then we're going to lose federal money if we don't comply with the federal government, which <laughs> I say, I don't I don't really care if we lose federal money. Let's be a little bit more independent at a statewide level. Nonetheless, the move was to raise the age to sell tobacco products to the age of 21 as opposed to the age of 18. 
There are a lot of issues with that. I strongly oppose such stupid legislation like that. And the big question is, is when do we actually consider an individual to be an adult from an adolescent? If you can vote, if you can uh, sign up for the military, if you can go off on your own and actually uh, live on your own at the age of 18, then why in the world would you not have the right to buy tobacco products? Not that I want you to buy tobacco products, but why would you not have the right to do that, let alone even drink alcohol, let alone even rent a car or whatever else? Uh, You could get a credit card and actually start debt at the age of 18, but yet you can't apparently smoke. I think that is the dumbest thing, and I get it because the federal level says that they want it at 21, so now states are trying to comply or else you could lose up to a million dollars in grants. I don't really care. I don't really care. So... As we talk about security of our children, as we talk about how we handle certain situations and setting them up for uh, adulthood, which I got some of the best advice as a parent from a parent uh, before saying that you're not there to raise your children, you're there to prepare them to be adults. You don't want them to be children their entire lives. And I think in this nanny, bubble-wrapped, helicopter parenting society that we have, not just as the parents themselves, but as government overall as well, that we've created that to where they don't know how to handle these situations on their own, hence leading to the mental health issues and the the mass shootings that we see all over the nation as well. That coming from the opinion of a non-psychologist in any way, shape, or form. The next question is, though, is where do they get their information on how to live their daily life? which I find interesting as well as we see a piece of legislation at the federal level to ban the social media of TikTok and the other foreign-based social media sites from the near 100 million users of TikTok in the United States. Kind of an interesting conversation. That kind of ties in with what we're doing here for our What's Trending Story of the Day. What's Trending Today. Which I'm excited to have back on the program from the American Legislative Exchange Council, also known as ALEC. Very controversial organization trying to help those state legislators push conservative values. What a horrible thing that they do. I love these guys. He's the Director of Communications and Technology Task Force. Excited to have back on the program with us here, Mr. Jake Morabito. Jake, how are you, brother? Doing well, Andy. Thanks again for having me back on to chat about chat GPT. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. So we've talked about the legislation, legislation, the executive order that the Biden administration has signed regarding woke AI and how it's going to be essentially creating this ridiculous government automated social credit score for Americans based on the wokeness of the boxes that you check for the government programs that you could potentially receive with this artificial intelligence that's going to run a lot of our finances and different uh, groups in uh, at the federal level. This is taking government utopia to an entirely new level here, isn't it? So it's a great example of when I was previously on your program a few months ago, I, taught, I uh, explained a little bit of what Europe was doing to really clamp down on American technology companies and really... Uh, implement these new onerous regulations. And this is, I think this is just another example of governments going into a new technology, regulating way too soon. And what you're really going to see is a lot of the positive benefits of this technology are going to be erased because we reacted too quickly and didn't fully understand how this technology will weave in with our society. Mm, let's talk about, before we get into the scary parts of it, let's talk about the benefits. Why are we pushing this and what would be the benefits? I don't even know that I personally, being the limited government, getting you know just leave me the hell alone mindset, I don't even know what the benefits are here. Sure. I mean, this technology, I mean, you, you've seen it yourself, I'm sure. I'm sure many of your listeners have interacted with the chat GPT program itself and other artificial intelligence. 
um, is really resonated with the public because you can type, you can give it a query, it'll respond in plain English with, you know, a great answer or like people have highlighted in education, it can create an essay for you or um, other things like that. But I think now that kind of that initial hype has settled down, I think it is going to be really interesting to focus on the business applications of this. Like how will enterprises in the United States be able to help their customers better by using this? I could think of some great use cases. For instance, those we had this big airline disruptions over the winter um, and people probably waiting hours and hours in, in phone trees trying to get their refunds or get rescheduled. Imagine if you had a system like ChatGPT that was intelligent enough to automatically reroute your request and get you on the right flight. And like the tech, you can tell that that's what they're trying to do, but we're getting inching closer and closer to that positive reality. Um, and I think there are so many other use cases we haven't even dreamed of yet. Um, and again, while we're kind of in this test bed environment, regulators and law- lawmakers, especially at the state level, need to be careful that they aren't um, interfering too soon. And Alec really wants to um, hone in to let the free market do its will. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The technology is going to be there and it's going to grow. And obviously it's not going away in any way, shape or form. We have uh, I don't want to trigger anybody's phones here, but we have Siri. Now we have the new Bing thing, which is going to be uh, this really intense AI that's going to ask uh, answer any questions for you, which is that on the market now? I know that was coming out here relatively soon, wasn't it? You know, I keep getting things on my on my computer. I think it's it's in some sort of a beta test. Again, that was kind of what led OpenAI, the developers of ChatGPT. It was almost like a, a soft launch of the software, and it's still being worked on. Any of your listeners can go onto their website to read more about exactly how the research is going. And in that sense, I actually think it's good that ChatGPT itself is being hashed out in the open like that. Like transparency is key yeah. um, to these algorithms. And another positive benefit is you've seen several other tech companies um, and other smaller competitors want to get it on the game. Google has announced they have a competitor, like you say. Bing is now adopting the technology, and I think that is a, that competition is a positive force. Competition is always a great thing. I, I I fear personally that we're getting. See, I I was born in the wrong era, Jake. I I like the lack of technology, which unfortunately I'm in the wrong industry for that. <laughs> working with computers and radio broadcasting equipment, but uh, yeah, I'm just ready for Terminator. I t- I believe like one of the tests that talked <laughs> about like creating the new virus to end humanity or something. So you know, there, we got that going for us. That's our future. We get to look forward to, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, there's a lot going there. But let's talk about it from the government's level here. As you mentioned, there there's the benefits for the convenience for the consumer. But what's the government actually wanting to use this for? And is there a concern of maybe a hierarchy that it's going to set for government officials and for the private sector in general when the government ends up using this more and more? So really, what I think the government's role here is to really open the doors to the private sector. And they should really, especially at the state and local level, they should be approaching it from how can we better help you guys um, develop this technology? Because as I pointed out in my recent piece, which you can go read at alex.org, China and the EU, they're already doing these regulations. The the European Union has a new artificial intelligence act that they're hoping to pass. China has recently instituted very onerous policies blocking chat GPT and similar um, services that they believe will will threaten the CCP's ability to control information. Um, meanwhile, at the state level, some states like Arizona and Utah in particular, but many others who are good on this, they're good at kind of opening up the doors to, to innovators and allowing them to, to experiment with new technologies, break down the regulatory state, 
Um, and Alec, again, has a strong history of supporting such free market limited government policies that really put private sector in the driver's seat here. Yeah, amen to that. Now, here's the big question. With federal government using this and uh, with them kind of dominating a lot of the industry, at the statewide level, like you said, trying to jump on board and trying to get ahead of this thing early on, what is the availability? What is the options that local states are able to do to try and at least put some buffer and barriers in between some of this? Well, one one specific policy that I can share, and again, Arizona and Utah have led on this, is with the, uh, the concept of something called a regulatory sandbox law. It's essentially some sort of a experimental program that runs through the state attorney's general's office, and in it, small businesses or large businesses can apply for essentially like a waiver of certain regulations. As as you know, Andy, the regulatory state has ballooned so much that. Sometimes if you have a great idea, it just is not legal or, you know, is not possible with the current regulations. So you're essentially saying, I have this great idea. Let me test it out in a limited fashion. The attorney general can protect consumers um, and ensure that they're all taken care of. And then if the experiment is successful, maybe we reevaluate if that law or that onerous regulation is necessary um, and kind of eliminate unnecessary regulations and bring great new products to the market. It's all about bringing the great products to the market, but like you said, based on the beta trials, based on the fact that the consumers respond to it, because at the end of the day, we want the private consumer to have the demand. That's the beauty of the free market system, isn't it? Is that we, the business owner, an entrepreneur, a, an inventor, whatever, finds a product that the consumer wants and then fills some type of void in the free market, not being forced upon us like we're seeing with like EV vehicles and some of that stuff. That's right. And another another piece you mentioned is kind of what people should be doing about this. I think there's especially a role kind of in our communities and you know us as parents. I have a newborn at home right now, so I'm starting to think about all this from a kind of a parent level. Like we all need to be really thinking, hey, this technology is here. How do we, how are our children going to be interacting with this? You know, should is it is it ethical to be using this this AI in certain situations? So I think it's more than just the government deciding for us how this technology should be used. We need to as as citizens and as members of our communities, really examine that and hold each other to account, and, and especially hold those in power to account as well. Yeah, amen to that. Jake, we're out of time, my friend. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's with Alec, which you can find at alec.org. It's Jake Morbito, Director of Communications and Technology Task Force. Maybe we can get a grasp on this and try and contain it or at least control it or at least understand it a little bit better as we move forward with this technology, and hopefully states can do the same thing as well. Jake, we appreciate it very much, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. Thanks, Andy. Hey, always a pleasure. Interesting conversation, man. And it's way above my head because, again, I am so technologically in advance. I have no clue how to battle some of this because, well, by golly, it's a scary thought to me. We'll do some more of that when we come back wrapping up here on a Monday. Stay right here. With Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Interesting information for sure. Thanks again to Jake Morabito coming on the program from Alec. Alec.org, A-L-E-C.org if you want to go check those guys out. Such great information. I love that organization to death. They are fighting for the conservative values at a statewide level, helping state legislatures all over the nation be able to fight against uh, the federal government. Fight back, trying to promote that idea of federalism stand-up group we appreciate them very much we'll get jake back on the program again soon as well hey by the way i want to tell you as you know our live video streams hosted with opslens opslens.com they have their website their app they have their social media 
We broadcast on there every day, and we love them to death. We have some great numbers with people enjoying, hopefully, the program every day. But they launched a new product or a new opportunity, which I have to say is absolutely amazing. It's called Worldview, OpsLens Worldview. If you go to OpsLens.com, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com, you can see right on the homepage there, it's called Worldview. If you're wanting to stay in the know, as we talk about this AI, we talk about really the government control over the interweb. We no longer have a free internet, a free worldwide web where you can search anything you want to and find the uh, same dorky 10 people across the world that like the same stuff that you do. No longer can you find them because you're shadow banned, you're censored, you're screened, and they only want you to get the information that they want you to get. And that's a cause for concern. So especially with the mainstream media today and how much they keep from us, the prime example I've been using has been the uh, Ohio train derailment, where the news media outside of the United States has called it our own Chernobyl with how bad those chemicals were all over the place. The media here, nada. They didn't talk about it at all for two weeks. And they're like, well, Donald Trump's going. I guess that the transportation secretary better show up, too. And look at that. They're doing investigations on it. But it took them two weeks to respond to it, and it was an absolute disaster when the rest of the world's like, yeah, Ohio just had their own Chernobyl. You need to stay in the know. And how can you do that? OpsLens Worldview. All you have to do is when you sign up, you can put in certain keywords of the interests and topics that you want. And you'll get blogs. You'll get news stories. You'll get anything from around the world, not just mainstream media here, but anything around the world with mainstream, with blogs, with websites, with journalists, uh, with investigations and research, anything around the world that's involved in those topics. So you can stay in the know and you can actually have a fair understanding of what's really going on in the world instead of just the uh, the nicely fed garbage to you that has a bias to it already and tries to steer you in one direction or not. It's from both sides of the aisle, so it's not like one side only. You get everything with those keywords that you're interested in. And go to OpsLens.com, click on the world view there. You can sign up. You get five days free for your free trial. And then when you sign up on a monthly basis after that, use the promo code VOR10 for the show, Voice of Reason, VOR10, and you'll get 10% off your monthly uh, subscription on that. It's OpsLens.com. Click on the world view. And use promo code VOR10 and saying that you heard it here on The Voice of Reason. Get signed up and stay in the know on what the heck's going on in the world. Because I'm telling you, it's a scary world out there for sure. With not just, I mean, it's a scary world, I guess, but you need to be defensive on that and be aware of it. But the way the technology is going, again, I'm terrified of artificial intelligence and the way that they're not only going to be uh, force feeding you certain information and keeping other information away from you, calling you like an evil conspiracy theorist. We haven't heard that before, have we? Only the last three years. Between being called a crazy conspiracy theorist to then a Nazi or a domestic terrorist or whatever else they want to call you because you believe a certain way, they're going to force feed you certain information. They're going to hold uh, uh, hold out and uh, erase other information out there to where you're not even going to know what the truth is any longer because you won't be able to find it. Now, they're trying to ban TikTok which is hilarious. First, they started off with like federal devices for phones, computers, other devices. Uh, and then they're like, well, you know what? Now they have a new bill floating around Washington, D.C. Wanting to ban any type of foreign run social media site in the United States with concerns of them gathering information on United States citizens. <laughs> cool. OK, I get it. At the same time, can I ask you a question? A really serious question. And it's a good question. And I know it's a good question because I don't have the answer to 
<laughs> I almost I almost got through it without laughing. I've heard another host say that before, and I thought it was the most ridiculous thing. So I <laughs> I had to use that joke myself. It's a <laughs> it's a great question because we have to figure out how to handle this. How in the world does the federal government all of a sudden show an express concern about gathering of information with a social media site like TikTok? When they're literally collecting metadata on everything that we do on our cell phones, on our computers, on our laptops, on our email accounts, on our uh, smart cars now that have the computer chips tracking us with the ability of apparently new EVs and smart cars to lock themselves down and not be able to drive if you're behind on the repo and the repo man's coming to get you or any other way for them to control you. Now, all of a sudden, when 100 million American citizens want to use a social media site, they're concerned about privacy issues. Give me a break, man. Talk about hypocrisy. We're back at it again tomorrow for a Tuesday. Dr. Robert Malone joining us here on The Voice Reason. Until then, be your own voice of reason.